a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the KSL Greenhouse. Expert tips for flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Bettis on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. And it is a beautiful morning, nice sunshine, and a whole whopping 34 degrees in downtown Salt Lake City. But, Tom, there is hope for the future. The days are getting longer. Dave Meekham is he's relishing winter coming back. He needs to move to Canada. He's kind of torturing me this yeah, morning. Yeah, Alaska. Yeah. Perpetual winter. Let's Maybe you can have a summer home. In Antarctica, in a winter home in, like, northern Canada, <laughs> well, northern and, Alaska. And you know what, Dave? It would be really hard for you to grow your tomatoes in that kind of weather. Just saying. Okay, too much about Dave, who says he'll just build a greenhouse anyway. Good morning, Ton. Good morning. This morning we want to talk about the Lenten Rose hellebore. Yes. Because it's that time of year. It is. And it's an early bloomer. It's a very early bloomer. So the Lenten Rose, it's called that among... There's a species called Christmas rose because in warmer climates, so New Orleans, Savannah, Southern California, North Florida, they will bloom a lot of the winter. Hmm. And so that's where they get their name. And in, But in colder climates, they generally will start to bloom depending on how cold, you know, around here late March into April into early May. But they are so beautiful. They are very beautiful. And I think people sometimes are used to the old-fashioned hellebore, and they're pretty, but they can be a little bit finicky finicky and unkempt a little bit, you know, especially after they've bloomed and get into summer. But a lot of the modern varieties are actually quite spectacular and a little easier to take care of. So what conditions do they thrive in other than warmer than today? Well, (laughs) they actually thrive in shade. So north or east side of your home. And then uh, they like alkaline soil, which is really uncommon for many plants. And so our soils are one such that they would like them. Then otherwise, just plant them. And as long as they're not drowned to death, you know, they don't like to be planted in permanently wet areas because they can be relatively cold hard or, excuse me, drought hardy. 
they are pretty happy. Okay, you said the word drought hardy. So they're they're a water wise plant. They are. Once you get them established, they will require water every seven to ten days in a shady location. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of shade, so this isn't one that I've planted, but my neighbor across the street has some, and I always look forward to seeing them, you know, at the end of March. Yes, and it's just one that, at the same time as the creeping flocks and some of the uh, other early spring bulbs, and so they're a good mix, but they're great to use because they will give you a little bit of height and give you some texture in those shaded areas to where you, we sometimes struggle to get flowering plants for them. Mm-hmm. So do they get out of control? You mentioned that they can get kind of gangly, but they don't like take over the flower bed. No, they don't. They stay 18 inches to maybe two feet wide if they're several years old. They can be divided rather easily. You want to dig them in either late fall or late winter before spring hits and get two or three nodes. You know, when you scrape the soil back and dig them up, you'll see the crowns and you, the nodes on the crown will be a swelling that's, it's a bud or a node. And you want two or three of those nodes per division. You can use a sharp knife or a sharp shovel or a part, a sharp, uh, set of hand pruners to kind of cut them apart, but they can be divided every three or four years if mm. you wish to do so. Are these a longer lasting plant? Because I know the ones that I see across the street, they've gone through another owner already. You know, two yeah. people have lived in the home. They can live for quite a while. Mm. Um, they're native to Europe and Asia into, well, they're species that are hardy to zone nine or 10 and others that are like a zone three. And so there's a wide range of adaptability to them. And I think the reason we don't see them as often is because they are an early spring bloomer. They've never been one like creeping flocks that everybody just has to have. But they're very pretty. And with the newer cultivars coming out, the newer hybrids, they're becoming a lot more showy. And so I know that like Proven Winners has a series called um, Wedding Party. Mm-hmm. And they have all sorts of colors in there. But there's other companies that also have these newer ones that are just really pretty for the spring. And so is it one that I would go crazy on in a no. shaded area? No. But two or three of them along a wall or into a flower bed in a shaded area, I think it's well worth doing. You were just mentioning mentioning colors. The one that you sent me is purple, and the only color I've seen is purple, but it comes in more than just purple. Yes, whites and pinks. There's actually green, the light green, um, if you like that. Mm-hmm. So there's multiple colors. There's some reds out there, at least shades oh, of. There's a white one in this picture that you sent. And we put an article up on the KSL Greenhouse page so you can see exactly what we're talking about. So check it out there as well. Anything else we need to know? You mentioned the word old-fashioned. They're one that is just a perennial that has been around for a long time. Grandma and great-grandma probably grew them in the Victorian garden or in that era. And they're just a traditional plant. And it's funny that, you know, uh, 20, 25 years ago, you never saw them locally, but they're starting to pick up and be, and become more common. But in other areas of the United States, they are very common and just one that I think that is worth growing and worth trying because once you get them established, they're pretty low maintenance. And a little more unique. They are. All right. 
Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. John is already on the line. You can also text us at 57500. We'll be right back. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. Thanks for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Anton with you. We are taking your calls, 801-575-8255. You can text us, 57500. John is on the line in Lehigh. And good morning, John. What is your question this morning? I have a whole bunch of questions about seed storage. And right. I know that they need, they need to be kept cool and dry, but I'm just wondering at what temperature can damage seeds. And my, my wife picked up this freeze-dried packet of seeds that are all heirlooms. I'm just wondering what you think about freeze-dried seeds. And I also heard that the retailers can't hold seeds over till the next year or something like that. They can, as long as they're retested. And so they'll what they need to do is send samples of seeds off to a lab. And for Utah, that's usually the Utah Department of Ag and Food has a seed germination lab that will test viability, and then you can resell them if they meet viability standards, but they do need to be retested annually. So, What about the heat? The heat. So for as far as seed storage, the drier and cooler, the better. And so the freeze-dried seeds are ones that are meant to keep humidity out, and then even then, you know, if they're making claims that it's going to store for you know, 10 or 20 years or whatever, that usually includes putting them in like a chest freezer in the bottom to where the temperatures are near zero. And so that's how you... So freezing them is a good thing, but is there a point where heat will destroy a seed? Yes, heat, the hotter it is, the quicker they lose viability. I mean, temperatures above 140, 150 is going to render them... I would pretty much kill them. But, you know, if you store, say, seeds in a garage that heats up all summer long into the high 90s to hundreds, you know, that's going to greatly diminish the uh, longevity of those seeds. And so if you don't have, you know, if you don't put them in the freezer, then the next best place may be a food pantry or somewhere in the basement where it stays between the low 70s and high 50s or mid 50s during the year. Now, the other trick to this is if your seeds are stored in paper pouches, it's really easy for humidity to get in there. And so if they're in a freezer and you just have them in paper pouches, they'll be um, killed. You need to have them hermetically sealed 
in something that doesn't allow humidity to penetrate through. And so the foil packages that are sealed or glass, I will often tell people to put them in a glass jar that's then, you don't want to boil it to seal it, but it has a sealing lid on it so that the humidity in the freezer doesn't penetrate into the jar. Okay, well, thank you. All right. Yeah, you're welcome. There used to be a... uh, advertisement i i did a lot of driving back in the day and i was you're kidding you still do a lot of driving what are you talking about yeah i was out at (laughs) night and there was a program um coast to coast that if you're a conspiracy theorist and you believe in the illuminati and aliens it is the program for you and so there's this commercial that would come on and they would announce in a real deep, ominous voice, they would say, the alum- or wait, the rich are saving seeds and they don't want you to know about it. <laughs> and they say deep in... The rich are having someone else yes, plant their seeds. Yes. Come on. <laughs> yeah, and it says deep in the Arctic, there are secret vaults of seeds, which it's not a secret vault. It's just a germplasm reservoir for if plant species go extinct, we have tissue and seeds but there is such a place there is there's several of them the united states has one in colorado oh. there's several in europe um some universities have them but they do exist but it's not to save seeds to keep the rich going and let everyone else die in the apocalypse but mm. the point to this whole story is is that they would s- proceed to sell you a number 10 can of hermetically sealed vacuum packed heirloom seeds and you were supposed to put them in the bottom of the freezer. And if anything ever happened, then you'd bust this can out and open it up. And then you had seeds for a couple of years that you could theoretically harvest the seed again and just keep it going. They, there's, a, there's big problems with that. Is one, do you know how to even garden, you know, to plant the seeds? Do you have the facilities, if you have tomatoes, to start them somewhere in time? to get them outside so you get fruit and then say you're growing carrots or celery or any uh, you know beets those readily hybridize with weeds we have weeds that are closely related to them that it's very difficult for homeowners to keep the seeds pure to the strain they were because of pollination from insects and things and to where one year you have a carrot and the next year it's a weed because it hybridized with Queen Anne's lace. And so if you're into such things, you really need to do your research, learn how to do things, learn what you can actually save easily because corn eventually turns to filled corn. At least it's still edible, but these are the sort of things that you need to consider. And so when you get that, the rich are storing (laughs) seeds and don't want you to know about it, you know, there's a lot more to it than just having that can of seeds in your deep freeze. Uh, My mother and my grandmother both saved seeds, but they didn't put them in the freezer. I mean, and and the seeds that they saved were mainly um, zinnia, marigold seeds that they were just going to throw out. That are easy to propagate and save. Just put out, you know, in the soil the next year. Yeah, and (laughs) my grandmother, um, I remember her collecting the petunia, spent petunia flowers after they had dried down, the the marigolds. I'm not sure what else she saved, but that was something that she did in the 50s and 60s so that 
you know, they didn't go to the garden center to buy the flowers. Mm-mm. They just saved the seeds every year, and they would broadcast them back out in the spring once Davinger Frost was gone. And by late June or July, they would have a nice crop of flowers that looked quite pretty. Yeah, the zinnias are gorgeous. And I've, you know, you just have to make sure you get them out at the exact time. And we're spoiled. We are. I mean, we can just walk in and buy anything we want. We can. and I mean, the, you know, the pandemic kind of changed that a little bit. But still, there are so many different varieties of things you can choose from. And they were pretty stu- much stuck with petunias, marigolds, and zinnias. Yeah, and those because they're easy to store the seeds. And so if you want to collect seeds and save them, you need to make sure and buy heirloom or species um, seeds instead of hybrid because a lot of times the hybrid seeds will be viable the next year, but they won't come back true to type. And so if you have a hybrid zinnia and it gets pollinated by another variety of zinnia, especially you'll have zinnias come back that aren't genetically stable and you have small ones and tall ones and all sorts of different things. But the heirloom varieties have been bred and stabilized enough that they just come back true to type every year. And so they may not be quite as snazzy as the newer ones, but that's how you do it. And so you can get on line and find species petunias, species um, zinnias, you know, species marigolds, and just keep collecting the seeds and do what was done for a long time and be perfectly fine. You know, you can do this with a lot of vegetables too, but if you want to, I'd really recommend getting a book on saving seeds because the techniques for some of them are a little bit involved beyond mm-hmm. just going out and cutting the seeds, even squash. You know, you have to hand pollinate those to keep the 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 strain true to type because what will happen is the male flowers open first and then a week or so later the female flowers start to open which are much bigger flowers and you don't want to let those get insect pollinated and so you need to as they try to open almost paper clip them shut and then go and carefully open them up, get a male flower, strip the petals off, and do your matchmaker thing. You're, you're singing matchmaker, matchmaker, <laughs> make me a match, and rubbing the male flower around in there. That's too much work the, for me. <laughs> and then reclose it with a paper clip or put a paper bag over it and clear close it off and for several days until the fruit starts to develop. It's a fruiting vegetable, the squash. If you don't do that, then you get all sorts of hybrid stuff where you have half pumpkin, half zucchinis, like somebody called a couple weeks ago, and just all sorts of weird things. And so it's really involved sometimes to be able to maintain varieties and save that seed. Right. They also used to save green bean seeds. Yes. And our next listener had a question about that. They say that they like buying their bush bean seeds in bulk, and they haven't found the Blue Lake 274 seeds in bulk for the last few years. And they want to know what is a good alternative to that Blue Lake for both canning and eating fresh beans. Well, I, I've seen Blue Lake. Now, the Blue Lake 274 may be a strain of the Blue Lake variety. Mm-hmm. Um, did they say what area they're in? They did not. Anderson Seed up in Logan sells bulk seeds and may have them. Oh. And but I've I've seen Blue Lake bush and pole beans available in local garden centers up in Layton and Orem this year. So, okay. but not in bulk. So I don't know. Okay. Uh, next, but the, what would you say would be an alternative if they're 
would there be an alternative? Contender is another one they could look at. There are a lot of good beans out there. Um, Dave's looking like, did you have a favorite bean? Yeah, Contender's another one I've grown that has been a good bean. Okay. And apparently Dave likes it too, if you want his opinion on that. We need to take a break and come back with, we'll come back following your news. Number to call 801-575-8255. Your phone lines are open and you can text us at 57500. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.